Oh my god, don't even do that. We can't <laughs> give all the nerds that much power over my genitals. Like, we can't do it. It won't be safe. Nope. Veto that motion immediately. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast. My name is Andy. Along with me are Kelsey and Ryan. And this week, we have a whole bunch of casting news. We have an actor in the upcoming Avengers movie who finally revealed their role, a hockey mask-wearing hero who finally will be appearing in a sequel. We have two new roles for the Flash and Arrow spinoff. A 70s badass team of ladies are getting their own TV show, web series, possibly a movie. And uh, we finally got some more details about the upcoming Deadpool movie and just who else will be showing up with the Merc with a Mouth. Uh, But before we get to all of those wonderful news stories and, of course, the comics for this week, I want to say hello to my wonderful (laughs) and amazing co-hosts Ryan and Kelsey. Guys, how are you doing? What up? I'm good. Spring break. Ooh. Oh, spring break. Every time anyone says spring break, <laughs> I automatically just think of James Franco just like spring break forever. You That's mean you rough. think of like former Disney princesses like throat fucking James Franco with like a plit fake gun because that's all I think about (laughs) I saw that movie I saw that movie in theaters what a waste of $11 (laughs) no that's $11 I ever spent are you kidding me I feel like Spring Breakers is kind of like a subversive uh, subversive like take (laughs) on like the like Disney princess of the future and like I think it kind of says a lot about what giving a ton of money to people who just don't have any idea what to do with it and irresponsibility can happen but who knows it's also a pretty confusing fucking movie that involves James Franco with (laughs) cornrows and oh my god robot Ryan's back Jesus Christ. Yeah, what's I, I, happening? I'm worried that it's not even just Ryan turning into a robot, but like Ultron is like coming to his <laughs> door and it's going to like spontaneously combust or something. Oh my God. This oh is the no. best like subversive promo that they've ever done for next time. No, Wednesday. seriously. Marvel, could you at least <laughs> or... pay us for this next time instead of just sabotaging the Skype call? We'd really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, we're totally all about endorsements. Like you do not need to do this. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so we are, uh, we've got a whole bunch of stuff going on. I don't know, Ryan, are you still robot-y? Apparently. Yep. yep. Can we hear? Yeah. Oh, uh, oh. Yeah, maybe. Not a robot? There you Not go. A Not a robot. Not a robot. Okay, so, oh, true. uh, the first bit of our comic book news for the week uh, involves the upcoming Avengers Age of Ultron movie, and uh, this is something that we, I guess, spoiled five or six episodes ago, and that's that uh, Andy Serkis is going to be playing Ulysses Claw. It took him coming to, uh, he came out to the Empire Awards uh, five or six days ago, and uh, he basically confirmed that he was going to be playing Ulysses Claw, um, something that, you know, we all kind of knew. Yeah, we all yeah. kind of picked up on that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think that it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting that... Uh, you know, we're going to get Ulysses Claw. It's an obvious tie-in to the Black Panther mythos. Um, and, you know, a- Andy Serkis is one of those character actors who has an insanely enormous range, so I'm sure he will do just fine mm-hmm. as Ulysses Claw. I got, I got fingers crossed that they're just like, what's up, here's Kazar. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just God. throw us through a loop and they're like, oh, there's Black Panther. Who's that guy in the loincloth? Oh, he's got a saber tooth named Zabu. <laughs> That's bizarre. Jesus Christ. I feel like there's no way that they would do that. But if they did, it would be just the greatest moment ever. If I was like, Ryan called it, everyone. <laughs> you heard it here first. Bizarre. <laughs> Jeez. It's just like there's all those rumors about Marvel being all pissed about like Fox owning the rights to their movies still, so they're gonna be like, "Fuck it, Kazar's not a mutant." Boom! Throw in the <laughs> fucking Avengers. They're like, this time we're going deep into the Marvel character bin. Let's see you do a Savage Land movie now, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my god! So good. Uh, but yeah, so you know. Uh, this Age of Ultron movie, which is rapidly approaching, uh, we're like less than a month away. Um, yes. And so very soon, May 1st or uh, April 30th, if you guys are going to see it at midnight, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron will be in theaters. In fact, uh, as of recording right now, we are 25 days, 0 hours, 9 minutes, and 26 <laughs> seconds away from Avengers 2 being in theaters. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Just in case you guys needed a, an up-to-date countdown. Uh, but yeah, so... Oh, the world's completely changed by the time you listen to this. Yeah, but I mean, as of recording, you know, it's all good. Uh, yeah. But we, uh, but you know, we, we're, we've been very open about how excited we are about the upcoming Avengers movie. Um, they've kind of slowly started out to, started to um, hand out a handful more trailers. Um, I've been seeing that same TV spot get a lot more play as of late, so... Don't forget those sweet 3D glasses! Oh, yeah, and actually there also is, uh, there... I, I can't, I'm not exactly sure, but it looks like they want you to pay, like, $4 for a set of Avengers-themed 3D glasses. They have ones for Hawkeye, Iron Man, uh, let's see... Uh, Wait, they have Hawkeye ones? Oh, never mind, I'm sorry, I got fooled by the, the purple at the top of this image. <laughs> okay, See, uh, I think they're really missing out here because Hawkeye actually wears fucking glasses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he actually wears goggles, but no. It's, like, uh, can you? I, I would, I would, as a nerd, just like as a comic fan, I'd be like, yeah, I'll buy Hawkeye's glasses. Yeah. But instead, they're like, no, buy these fucking eyebrow Hulk <laughs> glasses. Yeah, it's, it's Hulk, Iron Man, Captain America, Black Widow, Thor, Ultron, and Vision who have their own little like glasses on here and. They just look goofy as fuck to me. Like, I just don't know why I would want any of these. The only way I'm buying these Ultron glasses is if if they make me talk like James Spader. I'm on board. Oh my god, don't even do that. <laughs> we can't give all the nerds that much power over my genitals. Like, we can't do it. It won't be safe. It's not... Nope. Veto that motion immediately. I mean, if the Black Widow glasses get me some kind of, like, six degrees of separation connection to Scarlett Johansson, I mean, I'd be fine with that. That's, they actually you know, just you, like, even, like, understand. <laughs> like, her glasses have, like, a Black Widow symbol on them, and then there's just, like, blue lines and, like, a little yellow one. I don't, I, like, what is this? I don't know. That's somebody rushing know. to meet the deadline. I'm gonna, I'll put a link into, these, into, into the show notes for the 3D glasses for you guys, too. But... Oh my gosh! Uh, it, it'll it'll definitely be uh, it'll be an interesting little knickknack thing to see if people end up actually buying these. I mean, it'll be something to see on eBay in like thirty years. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that there's some like collector dude who's like, oh my god, guys, <laughs> I'm gonna buy ten of the full set of these. He's then, no, he's yeah, he's just gonna be like, we're all going. I'll buy each of your pairs. Yeah. I'll pay for them, but you need to be there so I can buy them. Yeah, I, I just. I, uh, 
It's so I um I was very tempted to do the like twenty six hour a thon. Oh, the all Avengers thing. Yeah, and literally no one. Everyone was like, "How could you do that?" And I'm just like, "Dude, that's like my dream." That's I like did. if if someone's like, "Hey, what's your paradise Earth?" <laughs> Sitting in a movie theater for the rest of my fucking life, getting up to occasionally get a soda and a snack. And then just going back to watching movies. I did that 16-hour one for the first Avengers movie, and it was fucking great. I loved it. So I think it's one I of those the things, though. Batman that, one. Yeah. yeah, I did the I Batman think, one too. But. I think it's one of those things where it's like if you've got a group of like of like two or three buddies, and like you guys are all in, it can be a fantastic time. But like if you're just you, like, oh, I, I I don't know if I could. If it was just me, I think by the time Avengers two. Came on, I'd literally be like talking to myself. <laughs> That's right, like, Ryan. Making totally jo- like making jokes with myself and just like haha, and then high fiving and like uh, <laughs> it'd be bad. I'm pretty sure I went to Batman with you, Andy. Uh, I say, no, like, I did not. No? I didn't make it to that to that triple uh, with because it was like you, Dante, and everyone else. I don't think I yeah. made it to that one. I think. Were you at that one with me, Ryan? I think that might have been what it was. If yeah. you went with Dante, then yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we were that chill yet, but yeah, I went with Dante. Yeah. Okay, then yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I remember that Dante had like a huge giant group of friends that went. So you know, it's all good. Uh, but anyways, thinking speaking of uh, a group of friends, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two movie, uh, the group is growing as we officially got the casting news that Casey Jones will be joining the cast and he'll be played by none other than CW's Arrow, Stephen Amell, uh, mm-hmm. who I think all three of us have just been absolutely happy, ecstatic. Salivating. Oh, um, uh, not myself personally, but uh, <laughs> definitely I think that is at least one or two of us are feeling Wait, like Did that. you guys watch, did you, either of you watch the first uh, I the, did not. The reboot. I did not with no. Megan Fox. No. Yeah. Um, I hated it a lot less than I thought I would. <laughs> there were definitely like there were some parts in it that I was like, wow, that was like there's like fart jokes, and I'm like, okay, I like I guess I get it because you like you're appealing to kids because you're on my Nickelodeon now, and so like that's your market. But there were some really badass action scenes in that movie. So the I love fucking Casey Jones so much. So the fact that they're putting him back in it, which, fun fact, I found out Chris Evans, Captain America, was the voice of Casey Jones in TMNT, the animated movie. Mm-hmm. Huh. So found that out, too, when I was researching Casey Jones. That makes some sense, actually, now that I think about that. Yeah, uh-huh. but I'm excited. I think Stephen Mel's pretty much a... Shoo-in? Oh Gary plays like a brooding vigilante, so now he's just like instead of a rich one, he's just a poor one. <laughs> That's pretty much accurate. <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> I don't know even how to <laughs> deal with that, but uh, but yeah, so it's I think it's gonna be I don't know, it, sh- it should be great. Like I think Amel has shown us that he can play like an action star on on the t- smaller screen on TV. And hopefully it translates over. Like Ryan, I kind of have some questions on, you know, just how good this movie is going to be. But we'll We'll get to see. see. I mean, Megan Fox is still in it, so Uh, acting quality will suffer. (laughs) It's fun to look at, but hard to hear, uh, I guess. That's where I'm going. I don't know. I like her in a yellow jacket. I really have a thing for yellow jackets. Because even like Luke Skywalker... 
I'm like, what's up, Luke? You look good in that yellow jacket. <laughs> man, you'd think you'd be a bigger fan of Hank Pym or something, man. Jeez. I love Hank Pym, man. <laughs> I just don't think you believe very much. Uh, that's that? when the yellow jacket goes too far. Yeah. <laughs> when he turns into a trench coat, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down there, guys. No more. I can't handle it. Uh, but yeah, like I think most people remember uh, like Elias Kotias as uh, Casey Jones in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja movies, Ninja Turtle movies. Yeah, and uh, he was pretty good there. You know, I think he was much more of kind of I think a little bit less faithful to the comics in that one. Yeah, but he was like the dude bro, Casey Jones. He was yeah. like the chill. And let's face it, the rest of those movies suffered because he wasn't in them. That's true. The first one is better than the other Well, he's in the third one, but barely, and that movie sucks anyways. Yeah, I mean, I think the the main thing we've got to, we must understand is that, uh, you know, definitely uh, Stephen Amell needs to do something with growing out that hair so that he can be uh, Casey Jones, because Casey Jones... No, dude, they're just going to give him that horrible flashback wig from Arrow. Uh, <laughs> please, no. Come Don't on, guys. Casey- Paramount has a bigger budget than the CW does. Come on. (laughs) So bad. Well, speaking of the CW, though, and things that probably won't be bad, something that we're kind of excited about, uh, the Arrow and Flash spinoff show, which still doesn't have a title or any kind of real story. It's still called Arrow and Flash spinoff show. Yep. And uh, joining uh, the other cast members that we've mentioned, uh, Brandon Ruth as The Atom, Wentworth Miller as Captain Cold, Dominic Purcell as Heatwave, Victor Garber as Dr. Martin Stein, and Katie Lotz, who's uh, playing, who played Sarah Lance and might be playing someone different uh, in the show. Uh, They just cast uh, Ciara Renee as Hawkgirl and Arthur Darville as Rip Hunter. So um, we ended up actually, we ended up being wrong on this one, at least myself. I thought that, I thought that for sure it was going to be Booster Gold, that Rip Hunter was just like way too obscure a character, but uh, so much for that. Um, uh, You know, I think, I think they went with Rip Hunter because they have more leeway with what they can do with him. Yeah, the time travel narrative means you can really kind of take some literary freedoms with, uh, you know, it just like exactly where he came from and stuff. No one knows who fucking Rip Hunter is, but like even just like like you and I know Booster Gold. If we watch a series like that, we can be like, that's not fucking Booster Gold. But with like Rip Hunter, like I'm a pretty hardcore like DC, like especially older DC comics. And dude, Rip Hunter's back from the days when like. Cave Carson was an actual fucking character. Yeah. Like, and that, I mean, that's the dude who just explores caves. So, <laughs> like, with the Sea Devils. I mean, he's he's a pretty old, obscure character. So if they throw something into the show, I'm not going to be like, that's not fucking Rip Hunter. I'll be like, yeah, probably. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Rip Hunter showed up first in 59. <laughs> Jesus old Christ. ass man. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think... hopefully it's good. I mean, personally, as someone who probably my favorite DC duo is Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, I feel like any show that doesn't involve just the two of them is, like, super foolish. Like, that has buddy cop film slash TV show written all over it. Um, But, uh, you know... Maybe they're holding out. Yeah, maybe they are. I mean, I I will say that I'm excited to see C.R. Renee, who really hasn't done a whole lot so far pick up as Kendra Saunders uh, or Hawkgirl and I think there's a weird kind of 
thing when it comes to the like hawk characters, like hawk girl, hawk hawk man, hawk woman, um, that like their mythos is completely batshit crazy. Yeah, it's like all <laughs> over the place. Like they live on their own planet, and they're like super powered, kind of similar to like Superman, where it's like being away from their planet makes them stronger. And I, but I like, know. there's also this weird thing where they're supposed to be reincarnated Egyptian gods. Yeah, it's like that was part of the like background forever, part of the origin story, and then it kind of changed. And there's a whole bunch of hawk people, and they use like knockoff vibranium called Inth Metal, except Inth Metal existed first. It's just not as well developed. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely um, unusual the whole goddamn thing with their their mythos and everything. I think again because the mythos is so murky, they kind of have a bit of leeway where they can kind of be like, yeah. They all come from the Hawk planet and use the Nth metal, and that's why yeah, her mace is super so strong, canon. <laughs> you know, I mean, then again, you know, DC canon is mostly just a joke, so they'll be fine. Yeah, they're rebooting it like as we speak. Yeah, so you know, we'll, we'll we'll see exactly what ends up happening. I think that you know, as we get more and more people in this role, I mean, I know I heard uh, Kelsey like almost squeal with enjoyment when we <laughs> mentioned that Arthur Darville was going to be. Um, playing Rip Hunter, you know, he's definitely going to get a lot of recognition from being on Doctor Who. Um, oh, yeah. He's a Who thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Is that a sentence? <laughs> yeah, he's a Who thing. He, oh, he was he, in Broadchurch. There we go. I watched yeah, that. Was, yeah, yeah. The he was the Reverend. Yeah, so he's got. Okay. And he's got some. He's got some pretty good acting chops. He's also a handsome motherfucker. So you know, Truth. people will be. Uh, Excited to see him, hopefully. Uh, he was also in Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll, which I did not realize. Hmm, interesting. Hey, when you guys can, uh, I encourage you to go read the Hawkman Wikipedia and just, like, totally mindfuck yourself. <laughs> because it's just a whole bunch of fucking nonsense. Yeah. It's, well, you know, and the thing is, it's so funny because the whole, like, uh, like Hawk, Hawkman, Hawkwoman, Hawkgirl, like, mythos is so... It reeks so much of, like early comic book time where they're just like yeah that's a thing you know who knows um, the photo that they have on the wikipedia page on the sidebar right there looks pretty much like a yellow identical version of birdman <laughs> yeah yeah it's cool crazy how similar those two are oh my gosh i wonder if they have any like similarities in who created them i don't oh, know i feel like a, a lot of those early like comic book heroes are so like Hey, yeah, they totally made this character, so we're <laughs> totally going to do this also. So I wouldn't be too surprised. But uh, speaking of old school 70s obscure characters, uh, <laughs> we got some news earlier this week. I guess it's been kind of developing over the last month or so, but finally uh, Legendary Pictures ended up putting up their the like full-on site for this film, and that is none other... well. I don't know if it's necessarily a film, uh, but it is Electra Woman and Dyna Girl, which is uh, a originally it's a 70s TV series about two superheroes from like Ohio that end up moving to L.A. to try and like make it big as superheroes. And just as much as you'd think an Electra Woman and Dyna Girl show from the title sounds 70s campy and ridiculous, it kind of was. Uh, but... Uh, Legendary has secured Grace Helbig and Hannah Hart, both who have YouTube channels with millions of followers, or I guess subscribers is what they're called on YouTube. Uh, and, and they I, will and be. I love them both so much. Yes, they're Thank both. You. They're both actually. In hilarious. case you listen, Grace Helbig, 
just in case. Uh, you never know. They, I'm pretty sure we do. I'm both of these sure ladies have uh, are hilarious <laughs> comics, and they have great YouTube channels where they put out a ton of brand new information, uh, of not information, a ton of content every. I think Grace does it weekly. Hannah does it like twice a week. But anyways, uh, Grace Helbig also just picked up a show on E that's premiering on I want to say Friday nights. And she's actually filming that all from her house. Like, she's not going to a studio. She's just using the same, like, studio space that she has for doing her YouTube show inside her house, which is pretty awesome. And Perfect job. <laughs> yeah, pretty revolutionary, especially for, like, uh, being in an, on, like, an uh, actual network. Um, and so, they both just put out really, really good funny books, so support them. Uh, Hannah Hart put out My Drunk Kitchen, and Grace Helbig put out Grace's Guide, which is how... What was the art of pretending to be a grown-up? So, yeah, excellent, excellent books. Yeah, they're both fantastic ladies, and uh, I will. I think I'll have to put a link to this image of them in their costumes. It looks I think, amazing. I think it's going to be a web series. Um, like Wiki's little thing on it says it was announced via uh, various media outlets. YouTube personalities Grace Helbig and Hannah Hart will start a reboot of the series. It's being produced by Tim Carter and Thomas Harlan through their Contradiction Shingle. And currently shooting in Vancouver, but it does call it a it's a reboot, and then it says the series is being produced. So I don't think it's a movie. Yeah. So I think, I think it will, they'll probably go through YouTube to tap into their already like massive fan base. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Is they'll probably start on YouTube, and then there's a possibility with how it develops that they might do like a run in theaters of you know, some shit, like some episodes or whatever. Like they did the season premieres of like Game of Thrones and stuff in a bunch of theaters last season. Or release it on like Blu-ray and DVD like Joss Whedon did with uh, Dr. Horrible. Yeah, exactly. Something something like that. There'll be... The whole... Have you looked into like Electro Woman and Dino Girl? It's... It was like all a parody on the old Batman. Yeah. Like the Adam West Batman. And it only lasted 16 episodes and they were 12 minutes long. So, like, because they were, it was in 16 episodes of a Umbrella series called The Croft Super Show, and their segments were only 12 minutes long, so when you take them all together, they actually only combined into eight full episodes of a TV show. I think it's, Pretty uh... Pretty obscure. Yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely kind of, like, an obscure... It's, it's very campy 70s, like, they drive, like, I think they drive the electric car, Yeah. And, <laughs> They use, it's like, all like super tongue in cheek. When they change, it's called the Electra Change. They stay at their Electra base, and they have a Crime Scope computer. Yeah, and I think maybe I think maybe what we're I think what we're probably gonna get is a much more light hearted kind of like series about two superheroes. You know, so hopefully, hopefully that works out really great because I I hope that I hope that they don't try and like shoehorn Grace Helbig and Hannah Hart into like. Being some like grim, serious Nolan-esque superheroes, like I'm getting like a kind of like the Tick vibe from it. Oh like yeah, like a very like parody of superhero in general, and oh, I man. could see them pulling it off. Yeah, I would definitely take something in that same vein. That sounds fantastic. Um, and again, Grace Helbig, you are a babe. <laughs> As is Hannah Hart. Like, I mean, let me yeah. tell yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, you're both babes. They're both like. 100% babes. If you ever want to hang out in Sacramento, I mean... <laughs> With Ryan and his wife. <laughs> at 2G1G Talk Comics. That's how you can contact me. Ryan, directly. 
Uh, I'm not gonna like you know give out my personal information easy. on the internet, but <laughs> unless you ask <laughs> via DM, <laughs> yeah, then I will yeah. DM us, and I will give you Ryan's personal information. Whether or not what you choose to do with it, that's probably up to you. Uh, but speaking of <laughs> comedy and kind of like satire in comics and superheroes. We had some announcements come out for the new Deadpool movie. The first was maybe, I'd say maybe like last week, we got a look at the actual Deadpool costume. And uh, then Tim Miller announced that uh, we also had a couple more folks cast into the movie. We have Morena Baccarine has been shown off that she will be playing Vanessa, also known as Copycat. And uh, we also got uh, Brianna Hildebrand. Whoa, that's who. Oh, will be okay. playing Negasonic Teenage Warhead, which is a Grant Morrison character who has like uh, who's like a telepath. And uh, so we'll get to see exactly what those you know folks look like. I I, I, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm super excited for Ryan Red Reynolds as Deadpool. Um, I just don't. Want it to be bad, please. Yeah, I I awesome. don't think it can. Like he was the shining beacon of hope in X Men Origins Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Uh, like anytime Ryan Reynolds was on screen, when he had a fucking mouth, um, <laughs> was amazing. Uh, uh, yeah. And I don't, how do you take a character? This is some old hatred bubbling up here. How do you take a character <laughs> named the Merc with a mouth and be like, hey, you know what this guy should have? No fucking mouth. Have his mouth sewn let's the just, fuck up. <laughs> ugh, let's just make that go away. And then after, like, they're like, but you know, there's the Easter egg where he like winks at you, and I'm like, I don't give a shit. That's awful. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for a giant waste of time. Thanks for making it so that dude from Friday Night Lights is Gambit. Cool. Thanks, mm. Marvel. No, thanks, Fox. Fuck you. At least with this one, it's a brand new start. We've already seen him. You know, we saw the costume. He's got a lot of pouches, a lot of guns, a lot of red and black. <laughs> So, you know, they're on a good track here. Now, if Hydra Bob shows up, you're going to start to really oh, get, you know, some brownie points from me. But I don't think he's going to because they're using Weasel. Don't say um, those things, Ryan, okay? You know, we need to keep our, possibilities our, open. No. <laughs> but, but, yes, Ed but, Screen uh, is going to play, his... play Weasel, so, yeah. Who? Probably not. Ed Screen? 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 S-K-R-I-N. No, TJ Miller. Right? Oh, no, that's right. Yeah, Ed Screen Screen or whatever doesn't have a he doesn't have a role he announced. Doesn't have a role yet. Oh. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. he's announced on the movie, but no official role. Oh, okay. I didn't know Gina Gina Carano is in it too. Oh. Yeah, Gina Carano is gonna have. Uh, I don't know who she's. Angel Dust. Is Angel that? Dust. She's a MMA fighter? Question mark. Yeah, no, Gina Carano is an MMA fighter. She was in. Uh, the Expendables movies at one point. That movie Haywire. Yeah, she was in that Haywire movie that they tried to have her carry. So you guys said her name, and all I could think of was Gina Toscano, one of the um, special service agents from West Wing, because <laughs> that's where my brain goes. Oh, man, if only we had more West Wing in oh my God. normal life. Don't even fucking joke with me is about this... that, Andy. I will lose my goddamn mind. <laughs> is this photo of him on a bearskin rug actually Reynolds, or is it... Um... Yeah. He posted yeah. it on his Instagram. It's not like a, it's, okay, it's not like a CG thing or anything? No, oh, yeah. that's supposed to be him in the costume, actually. Yeah. Oh, man. 
See, anytime you, you get huge brownie points with me, anytime you put a, a superhero in their actual comic book costume. Because, yes, I understand that it's not plausible for the X-Men to go around in yellow and blue spandex. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't love to see them in yellow and blue spandex. I don't so the fact that he, that they can run around. I don't know, right? because Grant Morrison wrote a comic book in, like, 2001 <laughs> that put them all in black, and everyone fucking had a conniption about it. They're like, this is the best idea ever. Blah, like, have you seen The chest. Matrix? Maybe we should put everyone in black. Oh. So I really love that he's in his full red instead of them trying to be like, well, let's make it more realistic. Yeah, I don't know. I think I have high hope from that um, that trait, like that reel they put out, the, that, the teaser reel or whatever it was. Yeah, and that I mean that's really what brought all the buzz back to make them like the big push for the movie. Yeah, which by the way, like they were like, oh yeah, it totally leaked. Like, uh huh, totally leaked there. <laughs> I'm sure the studio had nothing to do with that coming out. Um, but you know, it, it, I think most importantly, Ryan Reynolds will be doing a fantastic job. I think as Wade Wilson, uh, you know, we'll see just how much it ends up being amazing. It's going to be February 12th, 2016. There are some talks about whether or not it's actually going to be an R rated movie. Um, there's been some talk said about on it. April Fool's day was it's going to be, and then yeah, like so. everyone said, like, well, how seriously can we take it on April Fool's? Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I just don't know how you make a Deadpool movie that isn't rated R. Oh, uh, writing it? Uh, well, <laughs> never mind. I, uh, I believe you mean that was he who should not be named. So yep. you don't, uh, don't worry. Yeah, yeah don't how dare you say that name? You've jinxed us for seven years now. That's all right. Don't uh, worry. Well, no one will hear that name. No I hate everything that. about everything. <laughs> it's okay, because uh, that actually happens to be the end of all of our news for the week. Uh, we did, however, get a whole slew of new comics. Everything from some brand new titles to a giant graphic novel but the place to start is with our one and only true favorite costume and that's gwen stacy as spider gwen in spider gwen number three uh this one kind of explored a bit more of her and her family side of things and she kind of got a chance to see just how much of a risk it can be to really put yourself in the spot light i guess i would call call it i don't know and how how much of a risk you can put your family at essentially mm-hmm. uh, but she got some some really great interactions with her dad and uh and again you know we've we've done nothing but applaud uh, jason latour robbie rodriguez and rico renzi when it comes to writing and doing the art on this comic it's just absolutely fantastic i will say my favorite thing is vigilante frank castle coming out to try and like handle business in the middle yes. of this comic like whoa <laughs> oh man like at first i was like i was like man is that just some random thug and then i was like holy shit the skull it's clearly frank castle ah <laughs> i was really uh, excited about it i also love all these alternate covers yeah um, especially the the what the duck Ships like, i love all of the what the duck um <laughs> covers but i think sergio aragani's actually did this what the duck it's very i think 
I'm pretty sure because it's very like Mad Magazine. I I personally like the the comic exposure cover with Spider with Gwen standing in yeah. front of all the Mary Jane's posters. Oh, like me too. And there's just like an adorable pug behind her for yeah. no reason. So cute. I mean, I, I just it. I just want like an enormous Mary Jane's poster like that so I can put it up on my wall. Cause dude, did you see that vinyl they were selling? Yeah, it's um, so it's beautiful, and you dope. can't get it. Like you can't get it. It was at the show. They like did it at the show, and I think they were selling it at WonderCon. I think, and but they said like once it's out, it's out, and if they have any leftovers, they'll put them online. But everyone's just like, who the fuck would let that like not pick that up? Yeah, oh, God, what a shame. Um, but this whole comic is fantastic, and I just I got, I can't get over fucking. Rodriguez and Rico Renzi. Just like that that team is gotta be one of the most like creative powerhouses in comic books right now. Mm-hmm. And I really love all the since it does take place in the alternate universe. And I think we found out what number universe it is too. I actually think it's on the Mary Jane's Twitter page. It says what universe they take place in. I wanna say it's like sixty-five. But just all the little like mentions, like Captain Stacy says like all it takes is one mistake, and Castle or DeWolf will be busting down that door. And we've already been introduced to Castle, but DeWolf is like a major Spider-Man character from like 80s era, I want to say, or like early 90s Spider-Man, like Captain DeWolf was. Um, so there's just like, you can tell there's a lot of knowledge here for the Spider-Verse. Yeah, they're definitely kind of, um, they're picking at the right areas. You know, they're they're they seem to be doing a great job of not only having some similarities to the other universes, but also, you know, making sure that this is, you know, something a little bit more unique. So, I And then, like... I mean, Uncle Ben does show up. So Yes, he does. Oh, my God, yeah. So we'll see what they do with that. That's a touchy subject for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the thing is, is that, like, you know, like, like Peter's, Peter's dead in this universe, right? Because yeah. he was the goblin and... Now he's dead. So, uh, you know, we'll get to see just exactly what how this goes forward. I mean, I think we're going to get to see May, right? Also, it looks like so. Yeah, because it looks like Gwen ends up in Peter's room. Yeah, so at the uh, end of the comic. Hopefully, we'll get to see some more from the Spider Gwen universe. I know we've been having a great time uh, reading the uh, the whole damn thing. Uh, <laughs> speaking of badass ladies in the uh, uh, yeah. Marvel universe. This week, we had Guardians Team Up, number four. And this one puts Gamora and Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk, basically kicking ass for fucking 20-something-odd pages. (laughs) And it's exactly as fantastic as you'd think. This is literally, I think it's my favorite comic this week. Uh, Over Spider-Gwen? Over Spider Gwen, it's just so fucking good. Yeah, I it's should mention like, it's uh, John Lehman writing Otto Schmidt on art, colors, and cover. Mm-hmm. Like it's just I can't even like verbalize. Like I know I have to because it's a podcast, it's an audio thing. But like I'm just making like crazy gestures with my hands. Um, it's literally just like like a buddy like kick ass like almost vigilante like book like. These two green girls just fucking get down and, like, become besties and help each other and, <laughs> and just kick ass everywhere they need to. And they're so witty and so many of the panels are hilarious and I love them so much. And then really there's a panel where Jennifer Walters is literally, like, holding her hand out and, like, keeping Gamora away from her when she's trying to swing at her when she's been, like, drugged. It's so good. 
good. I love it. I love every second of it. I really just love how much since Charles Soleil's um, She-Hulk has been canceled, how how much she is being utilized still. Like, I mean, they're, like the other creators in Marvel are make are still like making the big push with Jennifer Walters, and not just with her, but like to make sure that she's being represented as She-Hulk, but also as a lawyer, yeah. um, and also keeping. Uh, God, I always forget their fucking names. Uh, the monkey, <laughs> the girl. Oh, hey, is hey, it, and, okay. um, and the, the, uh, Angela, Angie, Angela, Angie. Yeah, it's Angie. Yeah, yeah. So like the like because uh, she showed up in the Howard the Duck comic, and she also showed up in this comic. Yeah, dude, their proliferation is fucking strong. Like. <laughs> They've been doing good work on that, and I'm just super excited about it, honestly. Uh, I just think it's also really great to give us, you know, like, these two badass ladies, like, you know, like Kelsey said, like, they treat Jennifer as a lawyer first and She-Hulk second, really, in mm-hmm. this comic. Like, in the beginning, she is totally trying to handle some kind of, uh, handle a case, and it ends up that everything else gets into it. Like, there's there's a page where, like... Uh, where like they they say like you're supposed to be weak and then she's the Jennifer I think it's like page it's like four or five mm-hmm. and uh, it's page seven and uh, these like robots are coming after uh, Jennifer and she's like she gets her suit cut and she's like all pissed off <laughs> there's like one <laughs> panel right in the middle where she just like it's all shaded and her eyes look like it looks like something out of a fucking like like shonen anime for her being like angry face <laughs> but it is just uh it's so good and again we have onomatopoeia worked into the art it's just it's always uh, good yeah it, it's so perfect all the way through like two green ladies and they can have all of my green dollar bills because i would read gamora and she hulk team up for now until eternity possibly like they're literally sitting on opposite couches wearing like sweatpants and slippers, drinking fucking whiskey with each other. Like this is everything I've ever wanted. <laughs> They're lady bros. And then Jen puts on Gamora's makeup, like on her oh, eyes. God, I love which it. Yep. Is just fucking brilliant. Solidarity. Oh, yeah. Forever. Yeah. At one point, uh, the, the goons in the Bronx are like the she hooks, man. We've got to run for it. <laughs> I have our cloning technology. <laughs> oh, man. And the best part is that at the end, at the bottom of the page, it says, next, Rocket meets the Pet Avengers. So, yeah, guys, got if some you throg. didn't have enough fucking throg or uh, <laughs> lockjaw going on in your life, do not worry because uh, Guardians Team Up number five will be uh, up and ready uh, to provide that. <clears throat> I'm so glad this book is over Black Vortex. Blah. Yeah, was, is there even was there even a Black Vortex book this week? I don't think so. No. Also, when did Angela become like an official member of the Guardians? Um, like she just that just happened. Like kind of happened. I it guess was, it was right months. before she got her own um, her own. I thought it was right book. after, or maybe it was right after. It was one of the two because uh, she was basically flying around with. Um, with them, and there was this re- really cool, like, 
murder triangle between uh, Gamora, Drax, and Angela, where they basically yeah, just took no, a ton I remember of we talked about Julian. that, and like I think it's like Angela issue like three or something. I didn't know. I just didn't know she was official. Uh, and also, like I feel like Carol's like never with the team. Yeah, no, no, the um, whole Guardians team like it gets it gets stretched out so far, and who knows what the heck is going to end up you know going on. So it is a good book. So if you guys are looking at uh, picking up something that's a lot of fun. Guardians team up number four was well worth the rate. Uh, let's see. Ooh, so we had we had a couple of Avengers books that came out. Three, I guess, if you count the Hickman craziness that's going on. But uh, the first thing we want to talk about was this uh, enormous 100-page uh, original graphic novel, Avengers Rage of Ultron. We have Rick Remender, Jerome Opena, and uh, Pepe Larraz on uh, the writing and art respectively, and uh, it kind of gives a in-depth look at Hank Pym, Ultron, and the Avengers, uh, past, present, and future. Uh, it's brilliantly illustrated. I think it gives us a look at Hank Pym that we really don't get very often, and it gives you a look at Ultron that we don't see very often either. So, I don't know, I had a, I had a blast reading this thing all the way I through. I love the art, like absolutely, especially when they have the like the then segment when we get to see like the old school yellow jacket wasp costumes because those are just some of my like favorite retro costumes. Um, seeing like old blue furry Hank is always good. I really like how Hank was written in this because Hank is one of those characters that I feel like along with Peter Parker, he kind of gets swept under the rug a lot with like how intelligent he is. Uh, like when you think of like the smartest people in the Marvel universe, it's always like, Oh, like Tony and, um, like Reed, like that's where most people's minds goes to. And a lot of people don't know Hank in general. Like if you're just like a casual comic book fan, um, but he really is one of the most like intellectual people in the entire universe and just how really like the conflict he has with vision, like midway through the book when he just kills the robots when he just straight up is like, just murks them, like kills them all. And he's like, uh, Sam Wilson's yelling at him, what, what have you done? He's like, what scientists do? I solved the problem. And then uh, Janet's like, uh, what did you do, Hank? They were robots. I turned them off. He's just like so calm and cool and collected about it because he's like, I've already done this. Like I built the most powerful robot ever, and he was super evil. And so I have a backup plan for this already. So I just really like the way they present him as kind of this really methodical analytical person because i feel like that just like i said it gets looked over a lot when you're looking at the marvel you yeah you know it gives us a a a much more in-depth look at hank and janet as a pair as well i like any time that they deal with the morality of like robots sentience and like the concept of life or death it's also pretty great to see vision get a lot more character you know um, it was it was cool to see star fox randomly show back up too like yeah star fox is a super random avenger and he's a real avenger and he pops up just like every once in a while uh and as cliche as it is i i i like laughed out loud when he ended up beating ultron using love <laughs> Uh, I don't understand though. Here's the one thing. So is Hank dead? Like, is this canon? I don't know because because it seems very canon. Because like Sabretooth is in it. He's been affected by the Axis shift. Sam Maybe Wilson is... pants is in there. Sam and Wilson. Yeah, shows Sam Wilson. Up. 
Yeah. Uh, so is Hank dead? Because he's definitely still in that fucking Hickman comic. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm not sure exactly where. You know where this continuity ends up occurring. You know whether it's you know a, a completely separate event all by itself. I have not heard anything from anyone regarding that, but it certainly was a good graphic novel. Like, I don't know, it's weird because oftentimes I find myself uh, buying digital comics and like pass and passing up on buying individual issues of, of physical comics and instead buying physicals of like trade paperbacks. And to some degree, that's awesome because I love having you know, the whole collection of a run, like, I just finally got, like, the third, uh, the the last bits of the all-new X-Factor run altogether, so I finally have, like, all the trades for that, which I really enjoyed, but to some degree also, like, I read each of those individual issues. It's awesome to be able to pick up, like, a hundred-page fucking graphic novel that I have no, like, you know, I've got knowledge about the individual characters in it and stuff, but I don't know what the individual stories are, you know, I don't know those stories back, like, you know, that I just had read them, so... It was kind of a nice breath of fresh air to like flip through this and be like, "Hey, wait, when does this thing when does this thing end? Like, holy shit, <laughs> it's massive, you know." I guess the the original graphic ni- novel tag on there makes me think that maybe this is, um, you know, not super canon, but yeah, I, Io Nine did an article on it, and it's it basically says um, like Marvel super like their mom. But like they're just not talking about it at all, and so they're saying if it takes place after Secret Wars, which has not only not started but won't finish until December, it seems like an unnecessarily strange choice to have a single graphic novel out that actively spoils the future of several main Avengers' fates. Um, but if it takes place before, they said it's inconsequential because it's being reshuffled around to create a new continuity. Anyways, yeah, I mean, frankly, like if this is just something that like. If this is just kind of like a big like thought experiment and character study into Ultron, Hank Pym, and Vision by Rick Remender, H- H- Jerome Opena, and Pepe Larraz, like fuck, I'm fine with that. Like even if it's just like totally separate, like I had a great time reading the comic. Like I thought it was awesome to get you know a look at some of the mental state of like Ultron, Vision, of Hank, you know how he kind of deals with the reality of creating Ultron and letting it loose and stuff. So you know, uh, yeah. Well, that was good. I loved it. Couldn't get enough of it. Uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, other Avengers books this week, we also had Avengers Ultron Forever come yes. out this week. Uh, and this one ended up, this one was written by none other than, ooh, oh my god, the fucking Scotty Young cover on here is so good. Uh, I know, I love it. It's Al Ewing, uh, Alan Davis uh, on pencils, uh, Al Ewing's writing, uh, Alan Davis on pencils, uh, Mark Farmer on inking and Rochelle Rosenberg on colorist or coloring colors, I guess is what I would say. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, <laughs> and there's a ton of fucking varying covers for this, but uh, I mean, Kelsey, I know you were the most excited um, <laughs> excited about this. Like, it, it was just kind of like alternate universe craziness, right? I know. I love it. It's like, like I know. I feel like Ryan or I use the phrase. It's like they're reading our diary, like every week. But it's like they're reading our diary. <laughs> Like, you have, ah, I just can't even. I love when Vision is a main character. I love it. I think he is super funny, and especially when he's kind of, like, 
verbally sparring with Black Widow. Like, it's one of my favorite, like, scenes in this entire book. But the entire thing is just so good. Like, you, ha- and then plus as the Iron Man, you have, uh, I think it's Jim, Jim Rhodes. Um, yeah. Who's just so sassy. He's like a sass master 5000 in this book. And I love it. Like, all these characters coming together and trying to figure out, like, what exactly is going on and what timeline they're from. And then the two Thors, like, broke my heart a little bit because, like, Odinson didn't, or Odinson didn't really know what was going on and how, like, Lady Thor comes into his life later. Ugh, God, I just have yeah, all the feelings about it. Yeah, you got sweet, super 90s bearded Thor with, like, know. the mask helmet. Yes, it's so good. And then, oh my god, it's just, I, there's so many things I love about this book, but more importantly than anything else, like, it was just super, for as much crazy fucking gnarly shit as go, that's going on, like, I know Ryan complains about it more so than anybody else out of the three of us, but with all the time travel and whatnot, like, with Marvel, it tends to get kind of gummed up in the works to where it's kind of hard to follow, but this one I thought actually translated really, really well, and it's just beautiful to look at, too, and then you have fucking, like, Jim Rhodes wearing fucking rollerblades as Iron Man. <laughs> like, I love yep. The I panel love when the Hulk gets decapitated. Spoilers. Oh sorry, everyone. That is one of the goofiest looking things yeah. I've ever first, seen. His face like, is like... His head, yeah, his face <laughs> is like super derpy. Yeah, it's like one of those like memes when it's just like, do it for mother. Like one of those things that's super creepy and weird. It's literally that. But all the Avengers basically face off or against, I don't, like they're dark versions. Like I read it a couple days ago. I don't remember what the actual term is. But like basically like dark versions of themselves that are being controlled by Ultron. And Ultron is basically the all-father in, in this, like, huge fucking splash page where everything is gold and bejeweled. And it's just insane. And they're all getting their asses kicked. And it's just, I can't even wait for the next one. I can't fucking wait. Ultron yeah. overload. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was going to happen with the movie coming out. but My only criticism is that the rainbow bridge in this one looks super fucking dumb but that's also just because i'm super spoiled from uh russell dotterman so (laughs) it's kind of hard to like live up to that same standard of rainbow bridge i know this art is very 90s yeah i think that's why i like it it takes me back but um yeah it's definitely like it makes it super clear you can follow everything that's going on pretty well it's just nothing super innovative but um like, it's definitely not on Dotterman level, but it's still pretty good. I liked it a lot, so. Yeah. No, I think it was a, I think it was a great, like, little ride, and, you know, I, I enjoyed it the whole way through. I think and... it's a mini, right? I think yeah. so. Yeah, because it's just going to be, I think, like, a three issues long, three or four or something like that. I um, also like on the cover how three. they tried to make it so, like, you didn't know Lady Thor was in it. Like, she's, like, masks in the shadows. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, who's that girl with blonde hair and a cape with like Thor helmet standing next to Thor? <laughs> Who could it? It couldn't be. It could be. Could no. Lady Hammerpants? No. <laughs> oh man. But uh, but yeah. So I mean, you know, there's a couple of variant covers with cinematic characters on there. There's one with Chris Evans. There's one with Scarlett Johansson drawing the cover. So they're very much trying to, like we said, tie into the whole Age of Ultron release. <clears throat> And with, you know, everything else that's going on in the Avengers universe. Um, you know, there's like four Ultron books this week, I think. 
Also, just real quick, since we just talked about Lady Hammer Pants, I am so excited because we're only like two issues away from figuring out who she is. Did they announce that officially? Yeah, Dodderman said on his Tumblr it's going to be an issue eight. Fuck. I know. We're so close. We're so close. Thorin is can we get Dodderman on the show? Do we have people that can like make that happen? Why don't we? Why aren't we famous enough yet that we can like have people? Here's the thing. I'm a super huge introvert, so you can do all that. <laughs> I'll stick to our Instagram account. All right. <laughs> you can talk to humans. I'm just gonna sit here. We can possibly figure out something. Maybe if we dream about it in the future. Hey, you know, <laughs> they they keep reading our diaries, so like, just write down that you want to have Russell Dodderman on the show in the diary, and then you know, who knows? Maybe if we keep, if we do ever get an interview like on the show, since you're an introvert, is it like? Andy and I are going to be asking all these questions. They're going to be like, is that a girl supposed to be on this show? <laughs> and you're just going to like giggle in the background. You're like, hee hee, Russell Donnerman. I feel like, like I have a lot of laughs and I feel like a giggle is not one of them characteristically. <laughs> like I have like a lot of u- variations of an ugly laugh, but like <laughs> I really don't have like a giggle in my repertoire, but, but no, I'll never- talk to them. Like I'm just to nervous around like initiating contact. <laughs> I imagine we would have to have at least two of us in the same place, though, so we don't all, like, talk over each other to ask them questions. Oh, no, that's going... That's happening. Yeah. Either that or they're just going to be like, why do you guys keep typing on Skype? Because <laughs> there's so much information on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, we might have a we, we might have a, uh, an interview on here on the show, so, you know, who knows? No, we will, Andy. We it's will. all about positive thinking. It's exactly. positive reinforcement. That's right. I've got to. I've got to secret it out, right? I've got to visualize my exactly. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Uh, well, you know, several things were visualized this week, and one of them uh, was a damn, brand new DC Comics uh, Eternal run. We had uh, several um uh of these oh we, not internal sorry end game run uh we had several uh issues we that, sk- we skip in the rest of our marvel comics uh, no we'll get back to them you know it's just that we're going to talk oh, about around, Go- okay i we're just know that okay. i know that you're really excited about gotham academy Endgame, oh, okay. ryan gotcha, and sorry, i figured sorry. that uh you know a comic written by becky clunan with uh, brendan fletcher cliff chang uh and god the list of fucking like contributors on this comic is insane uh but uh Gotham Academy Endgame is what do we say? Like basically, like uh, ghost stories in Gotham Academy. Gotham Academy Endgame is basically somehow, even though I've loved every single issue of this comic, my favorite issue to date because the entire it's a one shot, and the entire t- uh, thing takes place with them having a campout, like in the back of the manor, behind the manor, and they decide to tell each other ghost stories, and all of the ghost stories are. Um, somehow kind of have to do with the Joker. Like, they all have to do with, like, just, like, a creepy mask um, that has, a like, a smile on it, or um, one is, like, this, like, really kind of old folklore tale about uh, a jester who juggles body parts, and he sings with uh, and performs with a bagpipe made of flesh, and he, told like, tells jokes with this collection of human faces. Um, and it's, like... If you don't laugh at his jokes, he, like, kills you and uses you. He kills you to try to entertain the rest of the crowd, yeah. And the whole time this is happening, too, you kind of, um, like, you see what's going on with... Because all of the Endgame comics are taking place at the same time as Scott Snyder's run of Batman, where Joker has infected all of Gotham with some sort of, like, Joker gas, essentially. Mm -hmm. 
let's turn them all into like Joker zombies. And so the whole time that the girls are in the back telling stories, you find out that um, their headmaster, they call him Hammerhead, Headmaster Hammer, is essentially the new Cavalier, who is uh, another obscure Batman character that they have somehow brilliantly worked into this comic. And he's just going ham on these Joker guys in the rain, like outside of the manor. And it's just every single part of it is fantastic. Yeah, I, I had a great time reading this comic. I love uh, the story about the mask that like the kid can't give back. Reminded me of like a Tales from the Crypt or like Goosebumps story kind of thing where it's like, yeah. you know, um, like just the like, whole th- oh, so good. Sorry, go ahead. The whole, the whole thing reminded me of Are You Afraid in the Dark? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. <laughs> because they're just like sitting around telling stories and there's even like, I remember there's a, there was an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode where he like steals a video game about this clown and then the clown haunts him. Like that's what the mask one like made me think of yeah. for some reason. I don't know. I It's everything I love. It's, Kelsey just said it. They read my diary. They're like, oh, what, what could make Ryan love Gotham Academy more if they're telling each other like horror stories about the Joker? Well, that's just the best fucking idea you've ever had. I think what we're coming down to is we really just need better locks on our diaries. Yeah. I should um, really stop leaving it out in the open. <laughs> I leave mine unlocked with hopes that people will read it and make the things in it come true. You leave it unlocked with like a plate of cookies and a glass of milk for like the Marvel Santa or the DC Santa to come and look at it. No, it's usually just like a glass of whiskey and <laughs> um, and then like a, a Los Angeles street taco right there. That's what I leave. Uh, An envelope of nudes just yeah. waiting at oh, the ready. Envelope of nudes no. <laughs> and dollar bills. <laughs> that we've got a lock on. Uh, I've got to give props to DC. Like I know we don't touch on their comics very often because we're not super partial to them right now. Um, but their endgame stuff has been really innovative because it's all based around, like I said, that kind of what's going on with uh, the Joker and Gotham right now. But they've all managed to tell the story differently because the Batgirl issue was done entirely like silent. Uh, and then this one was able to pre- present that like because while you do see like the Cavalier fighting the Joker, uh, the Joker fight people of Gotham outside of the manor, the, what like – one of the real messages that is occurring in the comic is that no matter what, the Joker's kind of immortal in Gotham. He has become like more than just like a sociopath. He has become like a nightmare. He's like a he's a he's a scary story that the like kids tell each other. Yeah, and I I, I like the idea that they're all kind of like tangentially related to some kind of Joker thing. You know, it's pretty nice. So uh, again, Becky Cloonan and Brendan Fletcher. Uh, art by Jeff Stokely, colored by Jenny Donovan. One of the stories was by Cleo Chang, one by Joy Ong, one by Vera Broskoy with uh, Sonia Obak on color. Uh, it was just a fantastic book all the way through. There are some art changes in here, and there's some of the art styles that I'm maybe not as big a fan of as others, but uh, I think they all work really well with like the tone of the story that they're telling. Uh, I like that the mask story almost looks like it's like watercolors all the way through, which is just yeah. Like, it looks like really kind of like you'd find it in like a kid's book, like you know, like scary stories to tell in the dark or something like that. So, yeah. Um, I, I, I just thought it was a great thing, and I totally agree with you. The Endgame comics so far have been uh, just totally fantastic, um, uh, and and I think it's nice to see them kind of get a good handle on having a 
event going on that they can tap into with a bunch of comics. Um, I think it helps DC a lot to have it where, like, the endgame event is really centralized to the Gotham characters so that, like, they really don't have to pull all of their books into it, but they can still pull, like, some really strong characters and stuff. I agree. So let's see here. Uh, Well, I guess we should kind of at least stay in the uh, other part of DC Comics that that I enjoyed this week, and that was the wrapping up of Scott Snyder's Batman Eternal. And last week we got to meet uh, Lincoln March, uh, good old Thomas Wayne Jr., right? Yeah, sure, that's a thing. Yeah, that was a thing. And uh, luckily Batman, this issue, um, to the cheering throngs of fans everywhere, beats the shit out of Thomas Wayne. (laughs) Yeah. we get to see some awesome stuff from like uh, you know, Commissioner Gordon and you know all of the Bat characters who have been appearing so far make an appearance. I'm uh, a huge spoiler fan, so <laughs> her appearance, like Stephanie Brown, is my homegirl, and when she has that part where she says, "I'm Batman," like that fucking ruled. Yeah, that's a great, uh, just an absolute great panel. And then I, I just love, like, the panel. Like, I think it's maybe, like, a page or two afterwards where we have Bruce on the ground and all of his, like, allies, like, flocking to the rescue. Like, ah, so great. And that's why I love that line, too, when she says, I'm Batman, because it really is, like, Batman has been about that for a long time now, like, long before the reboot. It, it, it became a theme, I think, kind of around, like, when Jim Lee and Jeff Loeb were doing Hush, um, like, that... Batman is so much more than just himself. Like it's about who he surrounds himself with and his allies. And like, they are Batman. Like they represent, it's not just him. It's the entire like construct that represents Batman. Yeah. Right on. And I think, and I think, you know, like you said, it's very true to the, the comic. So also you get to look at like crazy Egyptianized fucking killer croc. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> that one panel when he's, like, uh, dressed up as, like, the bodyguard for the fucking uh, Egyptian club where Selena Kyle is, like, ruling over all the crime of Gotham or whatever. Yeah, the best part is when Batman's like, you look dumber than usual. <laughs> um, also, did you read Divergence? Uh, nope, did not. Okay, no. I mean, it is, talk like, it, a big event happening, so I figured we'd probably, like, you know, want to touch on it. Uh, Dan Jurgens is writing it. Well, he's helping. Uh, they brought in someone who's literally never wrote a comic book before, Jeff King. So Jeff King, I was looking at, like, he's never wrote anything. So he is handling this um, event. Like, it's his, it, it, like, so they handed him this huge event, basically. And it's going to be his first work on any comic book, as far as I can tell. I think he's done a lot of, like, TV work before. And maybe some, like, novel stuff. But... I think they might be trying to tap into yeah writer producer director of White Collar on USA and Continuum on Sci-Fi and Hand of God on Amazon um, and it looks like Convergence is his first comic so it kind of reminds me of when they brought on um, Brad Brad Metzer Brad Meltzer for uh, Identity Crisis yeah um, when they did that. Yeah, yeah, when they brought him on because he also wasn't a very, like, well-known – he had maybe done a couple comics by them but not a lot. 
And then um, he, he like blew up because Identity Crisis was fucking outstanding. And if you've never read that like story, go back and read it because it still holds up very well. It's one of the best DC stories ever written. Um, so I think they're trying to maybe tap into that a little bit, like you know, have lightning strike twice there. But I don't know how it. This comic is just. It's all over the place. I don't know what the fuck is going yeah, on. It's yeah, it's so all over the place. Like, you know, like I said, like I didn't really read it. I flipped through the pages and got partway through and was like, nope, not doing this. Like, <laughs> I'm not going all the way through. I did really appreciate at the end, it's like, who are the Convergence universes? And it's got like, oh my gosh, it's got all of the different like universes of characters that might be appearing in the comic and... It's funny because we've talked about it before. DC keeps like wiping continuity to try to make it like more streamlined for their fans, and then they do stuff like this. And there's like fucking forty different Brainiacs in here, and I do recognize a lot of them from like many many years of reading DC comics. And then you go to the back, and it's like, look at all these different universes. And like, dude, unless you're a hardcore DC fan, like you're not gonna remember what the fuck the Tangent Universe is mm-hmm. or. The Fawcett City Earth S Earth when Earth when Tawny the Tiger was a real character, or like you know I'm a hardcore Captain Carrot fan, but I'm like the only one. I'm, I'm sure you're not the only one. <laughs> like don't sell yourself, don't sell yourself that short. Uh, I mean Captain Carrot is you know he's Captain Carrot for a reason. They're literally and there is a part they're using Stan Lee's just imagine DC like stuff. Yeah, I mean. It, they're definitely pulling out all the stops. Like, I don't know if this is, you know, like you said, Jeff King is kind of the, the head of the Convergence event. So I don't know if that's him, like, you know, making all the choices in here. Um, but, like, yeah, we'll see. This all seems so much like Battleworld. Yeah, it seems so much like Infinite Crisis. Like, that's the thing. Like, looking at it, I'm like, man, this certainly looks like Infinite Crisis on Infinite Earths. Like... But it's totally not, right? It's reverse. It's basically reverse Infinite Crisis. Yeah. They're like, hey, guys, remember that big event we did in the fucking 80s where we got rid of all the universes? Remember how popular that was? We're going to do that (laughs) shit in reverse. We have one universe now. Well, two, because there is an Earth 2 comic. We're going to reverse that shit. We're going back to 52 fucking universes. (laughs) Have fun following that nonsense. And then we can go back to 52 comics coming out every goddamn month. Mm. That just stresses me out just thinking universe. about it. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Also, Brainiac looks like a giant rotten egg on the cover, so there's that. <laughs> there's one panel where Brainiac is wearing what looks to be like a yellow long sleeve. I mean, not yellow. What am I saying? A pink long sleeved polo shirt. Like, dude, that's his costume. That's like, his old costume. Uh, that's like. I want to say, like, 70s, 80s era Brainiac. That's his costume. Yeah. Full on. And he's got, like, the little shorts. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, like, like uh, Hans and Franz booty shorts going on. Like, whoa. <laughs> like, he, like, he looks like he's going to play squash. That's what it looks like. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I, I, what the hell is going on there? There's another panel that also has this sweet ass, like diabolical goatee uh, Brainiac in it. Yeah. Like, just for like one panel, you see the full blown, like the evil, like yellow goatee. So this comic's going to be horrible for anyone who's a casual comic goer to follow. 
Like, yeah. I personally, like, part of, like, the really nerd self of me, like, loves it. Because I'm like, yeah, I can see all these characters I haven't seen in forever that I grew up. I understood your complex universe, DC, and then you fucked it all up, and now you're bringing it back. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. Well, enough with the DC comics. We don't want to get Ryan go back too tomorrow. riled up. <laughs> Uh, but we did have another comic that was just debuting, actually another triple zero comic this week, and that's none other than The Uncanny Inhumans. Uh, this one happens to come to us courtesy of Charles Soule. Steve McNiven is on uh, the pencils, Jay Leeson on ink, uh, Justin Ponzor on coloring, and then there's actually a second story in here as well. Ryan Stegman on the writing, Ryan Lee on the artist of the second one, James Campbell, and uh, Clayton Cowles is doing the lettering. I mean, any comic that gives me Black Bolt, I'm pretty much always down with. Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge Black Bolt fan. Me too. So, and um, I just thought, like, I'm a really big McNiven fan too. I love his art and how he handled kind of like I don't know if it was his idea or if it was um, Charles Soleil, but however, like whoever chose to handle Black Bolt's powers like this what like they they chose the right route because i feel like black bolt it's really hard to use his powers because pretty much we all know that if black bolt says anything like it can destroy fucking the world um so there's that first panel on page 15 i want to say yeah and it just shows black bolt opening his mouth and like this like force coming out of it and then in just little teeny tiny letters it says goodbye and then it just fucking demolishes everything in front of him. And then, like, a panel later, because uh, one of Black Bolt's powers is that he can convert the energy from, like, his vocal cords into the fork, like his tuning fork. Mm-hmm. And so the panel when he's opening the door, and I think he says open, actually, mm-hmm. is what he's saying in those, like, almost impossible to read letters. And then it just blows the door open. I just thought it was a really genius way to accurately portray his powers. Honestly, yeah. the um, panel where you just described where it's just his mouth and it says goodbye in tiny text inside of it. But you can see like the action of that, like carrying a whole bunch of power behind it. It's so well drawn. I had to stop and just like look at it first. I'm like, it's literally not even like anything. It's somebody's fucking like bottom half of their mouth. And it's I can't stop looking at it. It's just so well done. I love the way that they drew that. Yeah, it was just so great to see Black Bolt get, like, a whole comic, like, all the way together. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, And then Kang was just, like, having Kang show up with Ura and, like, you finally realize what Black Bolt's doing at the end. Like, how Black Bolt realizes that the world is going to end, so he is having Kang take Ura through the timeline so that he'll be safe. Uh, like, he's sacrificing him. Yeah, and it just, like... It like breaks his heart. You can tell in that very last panel when he's looking down at his hand. McNiven did a great job with the emotion because also on that same panel, they're on the same the page before the one where he says goodbye. There's a panel with him like flying up onto the army and just looking at them, and the anger in his eyes is so fucking intense. Yeah, for a character that, like, never says anything, I feel like we get so much development out of Black Bolt in this comic. Um, With just the way that he interacts with, like, his enemies, with Medusa. um, It's just, 
Uh, it's so good. So fun. Plus, uh, his son calls him Blackagar, which I just think is the funniest fucking name ever. That's because his real name is Blackagar. Blackagar Boltagon. Yeah, so good. Love it. So I love good. that. That's his real fucking name. And I love but that his dad is like when you're mad at your mom. Yeah, well, that's fucking stupid. She's not an inhuman. She's just a dumb girl. Blackwell has a reason, and it's like when you're mad at your mom and you're like, "Okay, Susan." Like his dad, like his son's pissed, and he's like, "Oh, nothing to say." Blackagar. Like, oh man. Is your mom's name Susan? Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna pick some like random mom's name. Oh. <laughs> so also. Great. The panel of him putting his hand on the back of her's head when he releases the tarragon mist. Oh, God. Or tarragon mist. Tarragon? That's like a spice. (laughs) Tarragon? Yeah, tarragon. That's like a... That is definitely a spice, yeah. I watched a lot of Hell's Kitchen. Don't hate me. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, those two panels right there at the bottom of that page on page, I think it's 19. Ugh, oh my God, my feels. All my feels. Yeah, and we also get a little bit of a bonus story with Iso and Flint uh, kind of messing around with this crazy interdimensional portal. And it's, uh, it's kind of like a little cute little teen story that goes on. So Getting so cute, being yeah. a little adorable. Oh. <laughs> Liking each other for their inhuman skin and faces. Yeah. yeah so but, cute. Uh, you know, this is, like we said, triple uh, zero for Uncanny Inhumans. So we will get, uh, we'll definitely get a chance to you know, see some more of this comic as we move forward. Oh, I wanted to talk about uh, Carrie Kyle Andrews, uh, number 11 of Iron Fist, the Living Weapon. Uh, This is part five of the arc that has been going on and the final one of this current arc. Uh, I believe that we will get a, we will get a, probably another issue of this at some point, but it'll be a slightly different, um, <clears throat> like storyline. Uh, um, and uh, in this one, Danny uh, ends up channeling his chi through the uh, Rand building, which turns into a giant robot, and he fights a giant fire demon who is wishing to um, procure vengeance against everyone, I guess. <laughs> God, it's just like, I mean, we talked about this, like, uh, I think the last time that when issue 10 came out, like, Carrie Kyle Andrews is doing such a fantastic job, not only writing, but doing the art on this comic. And I feel like the fact that he does both is such, such a boon to the way that this comic comes off. Everything from the fluid motion of where he puts the words to, um, to the words themselves to that same um, kind of like pull of the eye down the page – that we that we love so much in several other comics that we've mentioned. It just looks so good. And first and foremost, it feels like a badass comic book kung fu movie. Like, uh, I think it's like panel eight, 19 or 20. It's the big giant splash when he basically, like, kind of unleashes his ultimate attack. Like, it's not even, like, the panels at the top, but, like, to see him like running up the debris in the bottom of the panel is just so gorgeous. Um, um oh. but okay, here's my question, Andy: Is he, is Danny dead? Okay, so here's the thing: maybe. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> if he is, that's gonna like 
for real seriously bum me out. Because, well, in, in, so in classic Iron Fist continuity, an Iron Fist only lives for 33 years. On their 33rd birthday, um, basically a very similar kind of character to the spider people, the Morloon, like the eaters essentially come. Uh, I can't remember exactly what they're called, but they're essentially like chi eaters, and they come to basically like kill the Iron Fist because, like, the power of Shaolau the Undying is, like, not, like, made for a human to be able to wield it at all times. Um, and at some point during this comic, Gork, which is the last living dragon of Kunlun, um, he's kind of, like, short and stumpy, he gets killed by um, this crazy fire demon. And uh, Kung Fu Girl, I guess, is the only way that she's been addressed in the comic, uh, yeah. is, like, embracing her as it happens. And... Um, it does sound like, it does sound like Danny is dead. Um, and the biggest key is that at the end of the comic, uh, Kung Kung Fu Girl, Girl. she has, um, it's not the mark of Shaolau the Undying, but I guess it's the mark of Gork. (laughs) Um, and she's like, her fist is glowing with the chi of Kunlun. So there's certainly a possibility that uh, Danny is no longer the Iron Fist, but Again, we this comic is ending with uh, the whole Battle World and Secret Wars event, um, and we don't know what's going to end up coming out with the Iron Fist itself on the other end. So um, we still might get to see some more from Daniel Rankai, but who knows? I'm not sure. I love Danny. <laughs> I do too. I, I mean, you know, the, the Iron Fist is by far my favorite comic book superhero. So, you know, it's always something that I you know, like hate to see is like a comic that I really love. Um, and, uh, I loved seeing when, uh, brew breaker fraction. Um, and I think JMS was part of that run as well. Um, when they did the run of the immortal weapons and you got to see oh, like, the so seven good. cities, you got to see like fat Cobra and, um, dog brother one and everything like, Oh man, it was just so good to be able to see like all the different elements of like, um, of like the different immortal weapons and seeing them all fight together. It, it, it's been a great run. Uh, I hope that we get to see some more from Carrie Kyle Andrews in the future because this art is just like turned up to 11, man. So yeah, the art is fucking killer. It's so fitting for the comic. Like it felt like such a like seventies, like samurai movie. I don't yeah. Know. No, it feels like an old style Kung Fu film, you know, like, um, I don't know. Speaking of kung fu films, there's a Last Dragon reference in Spider-Gwen when she says, uh, I think she says, like, show nuff or whatever, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just, it's great. Uh, giant Robots aside, this is a really, really good comic. Um, and if you guys have not had a chance to uh, read the whole the whole run of Iron Fist, the living weapon, it's only 11 issues long, and every single one of them is fantastic. So uh, feel free to uh, take a peek at that one. Let's see, what else do we have next? Ooh, the last uh, Marvel book that I wanted to talk about was uh, Rocket Raccoon number 10. Uh, Scotty Young, as usual, is writing. Jake Parker's on the art and John Francois below. Uh, Belio is on color. Um, this is just like continues to be, like Jake Parker's art continues to like just make my heart do backflips inside of my chest. Uh it's adorable, badass, emotional, very expressive. He handles art, uh, not art, action. He handles action so well um, throughout the entire book. 
Um, everything from Groot to Rocket to the weapons that show up. Um, we also get to see an appearance from Cosmo, the telepathic <laughs> yes. space dog, which so is cute. just anytime you get Cosmo. Yeah, like oh my gosh. Um, so you know, it's it's a great run. I think you know, I I just cannot get enough of this this Rocket Raccoon book as it goes on and on. Everything from jokes about Groot's monosyllabic t- tendencies to Rocket sucker push- sucker punching Cosmo in the face. <laughs> Just so good. Uh, yeah. I, I can't say any more wonderful things about this comic because it's amazing. I just love that. And it, it's so, as a comic book fan of like the big two, I guess, like Marvel and DC, you get so used to, I think I get kind of bogged down with stories that have some overarching art, like overarching plot or are tied into some big event. And it's like Rocket is really just a nice like breath of fresh air because every story is kind of self-contained. There's not a huge, there's not really like an overarching plot. Um, It's all all just kind of about like Rocket's adventures in the universe. And um, it just lets, because Scotty Young's writing, right? He doesn't do the art. Yeah. Yeah. He does uh, does a variant cover every issue, but he, but he's just doing the writing normally for the, for the. Yeah. So like, it just lets Scotty Young kind of have fun in the like infinite Marvel like galaxy with just one of the like most fun characters that exist right now. So that's why I really enjoy like the rocket book and Jake Parker's art is always just like, I feel like he's like Scotty Young's protege. So yeah, I feel like he's so perfect for drawing like rocket and Groot and like the crazy antics that they get into. Like, uh, what is it? There's, there's like the page when rockets like running and he has this like tiny ass gun. And then the next panel, he's like, has a, a like, unf- like, it unfolded, unfolded it, unfolded, yeah. It, yeah, unfolded it into this, like, big, giant fucking blaster. Like, oh, so good. Like, I love the way that it deals with, like, almost, like, cartoony hammer space, but still, like, kind of has some, like, real-world-ish, like, um, <clears throat> stuff that it holds on to, so. Uh, yeah. Um, so was there any other Marvel? I don't think we had any other Marvel stuff this week. They had uh, their other Star Wars comic came out, which I read, but I wasn't like super into because it's more based on Star Wars Rebels, which is the cartoon airing right now. Yep, it's a it's called uh, Kanan the Last Padawan, and it does have um, a beautiful Scotty Young variant, as per usual. It does. Um, and the comic really isn't that like it's not a bad comic at all. Like as far as like as far as the comic goes, Marvel's still batting like a hundred percent with um, their Star Wars stuff. It just didn't personally like pique my interest because uh, it takes place at a part of the timeline I'm not familiar with because I have no idea what the fuck Star Wars Rebels is. Yeah, I mean, I do like seeing throughout the comic. I like to see some of the extra like races and stuff. Like we get to see like a Deveronian general here. Uh, what is his name here? It's like General Cleave, um, which is actually kind of a hilarious name. But at any rate, um, <laughs> you know, we we get to see some some other great uh, like races show up. Um, you know, the one thing is, at least myself personally, I don't give a fuck about the Jedi man. Like when it comes <laughs> to Star Wars, like I don't want to read a Jedi or Sith story. Like I enjoy reading about like Darth Vader and Luke and Leia because, like, they're characters that I know. Um, 
But when it comes to Star Wars in general, like I'd way rather watch, uh, watch or read some story about like a no-name smuggler on the Outer Rim dealing with the ins and outs of the Star Wars universe than, you know, meditation and the Force. The only Jedi I've ever liked is Kit Fisto. It's pretty much Kit Fisto. Yeah, Kit Fisto. Yeah, he he rules. But like I like Mace Windu is kind of a boring character to me. Luke Skywalker is the most boring character to me. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you there. Like, I'd much rather. That's why everyone's favorite character is either Han Solo or Boba Fett, man. Like, there's a reason. Yeah, I mean, Kit Fisto is a Natolan. They're pretty cool amphibian Star Wars species. But like, uh, yeah, this this book was. I mean, it was still good. Like like you said, it was still a good comic. Like, it's nice to see um, these guys kind of explore, like you said, a different part of the Star Wars universe. I did have a couple of friends that are watching the Rebels show that told me that they really enjoyed the comic. So if you guys are already, you know, watching that show and you enjoy it, this is definitely a place that you can go um, to get some more out of it. Like, uh, you know, Pepe Larraz, we already talked uh, who was it that, what other comic was it that he was on? Oh, the Rage of Ultron. Yeah, Rage of Ultron. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so he's, the art is gorgeous all the way through. Um, and, you know, if, if you want a good romp through Star Wars Jedi mythos, it's, uh, it's not a bad look, so. Uh, not so bad. Excuse me. Uh, so uh, let's see here. The oh, I guess we really didn't have Space Riders. I think is the last thing. Yeah. Oh well. Before that, we had uh, No Mercy from uh, uh, Alex DeCampi, Carla Speed McNeil, um, and Jen Manley Lee. Um, this one is uh, an image release. Came out this week. It's a number one, and it is kind of a fucking psychedelic trip like, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe this um, it's basically a group of teenagers who are all trying to get into like an Ivy League school and so Princeton hits them up like hey we want to go build houses in like South America or something and so they all sign up because they're all trying to get into good graces and whatnot, or the parents are and things go terribly awry uh, <laughs> as per usual within like the first book like, there's a giant, like, bus crash, and, like, some of them are unaccounted for at this point at the end where it goes. One of them's, like, super injured. They're being surrounded by, like, wolves in, like, the middle of the um, fucking, like, kind of, like, deserty area. Um, but, like, the plot line is kind of basic because it's just like, ah, teenagers doing things, uh. But, I don't know, I'm kind of into that because I like to see the way that people write them as whole characters rather than just, like, shitty humans. And there's such, like, a variation, like, a varying, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, group of them, I suppose, that, like, there's pretty much, like, every single, like, character flaw and character strength is portrayed in all of these kids so far. So I think it'll be a really interesting dynamic. But these one of these girls whose name I can't remember right now... Um, but she is on her iPhone like the entire time, just like texting and posting on Instagram and hashtagging everything and using emojis to speak. <laughs> and her best friend is like speaking to her in emojis the whole time. So we all know that I'm a huge fan of that. Um, <laughs> and plus, like half the book is in Spanish, too. And it's I don't know. It's kind of like a combination for all these things I like. So I'm interested to see where it goes. Because it seems like it has, like, much seedier undertones than all these, like, other kids. I don't know. Like, they also just have some really interesting perspectives on stuff that I can't wait to see play out. Like, there's a lot of things that you would think of, like, normal stereotypes. Like, there's, like, a tall black kid and, like, 
the one random like white boy walks up to him and is like, hey, do you play basketball? Are you going to be our star quarterback? He's like, I don't play sports, man. <laughs> so there's like a couple of things like that where I think they're just trying to try to like reinforce like, hey, people aren't all the same. This isn't going to be like a normal kind of click like archetype scenario that we have going on. And plus, yeah. I think it's just like super fun to look at. So I don't know. I'm interested. I'm interested in it. I like it. I really like the art. Like it uh, looks great all the way through. So, and I think it's got a good hook. Like you know, it leaves it leaves some stuff very, it very much leaves some stuff open and up in the air for you to kind of wonder about where you know the comic could be going. And you know, hopefully, it ends up being a you know an awesome trip. Yeah. On the um, title page, I guess they show like it's actually really cool looking. Like it's one of my favorite title pages I've seen recently because a lot of times with like new books like this it's kind of hard to keep everybody straight but they have kind of like almost like a yearbook roster looking kind of thing where they have like all how many is that Uh, math 15 all 15 characters that you meet and um it has their names and where they're from and two of them are from where I'm from so (laughs) maybe that's why I like it I don't know but yeah I'm really interested to see what happens I like the writing on it a lot so far so it doesn't like a lot of times with like teen things, like it seems super cliche and a lot of time with the art, it's like super like unbalanced when it comes to stuff like this. It's just usually like a bunch of whiny white kids, but it's actually a pretty like eclectic group. So I'm excited for it. I'm going to see. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, the other comic that we were excited about this week, uh, this one is actually from Black Mask Studios. Um, I And it is written by Fab- Fabian Rangel Jr. And the art is by Alexis Zirit. Um, and uh, I, Fabian Rangel Jr. and Alexis Zirit bring you a new and exciting space adventure that will destroy your brain <laughs> in a good way, is what the uh, tagline says there. Sailing the cosmos in the skull ship Santa Muerte, Captain, Capitan Peligro and his fearless crew deal harsh justice to the scum of the galaxy while searching for the forbidden truths of the universe. Yeah. I mean, how do you not <laughs> sign up for this comic after reading that? This comic was so it's so fucking like before the cast I was um, talking about it and it's it reminds me a lot of like old DC comics just like the art it's just like it it's a lot of like uh, it's a lot of lines <laughs> I don't know I don't know how to like describe <laughs> it it's just like it's so old school and like it's art but it totally works for the vibe of the comic and it's it like very retro like super like techy color is like one way I want to like describe it because there's just all these like certain panels are just like um like pink and green like really bright pinks and greens totally just like take the panel over um and in and the story is batshit crazy uh capitan yeah, Pelli off uh, the walls Pelli- yeah yeah capitan peligro who um flies around in a giant ship that is shaped like a skull um gets stabbed in the eye and he's deemed unfit to command for an entire year so he ends up just like uh um, drinking for an entire year at this bar and then the day his year is up um the bartender tells him he's run out of credit and this like wolfman looking thing attacks him and he just slaughters him right there in the bar or he doesn't slaughter him. He just like fucking pistol whips him and he's bleeding from his mouth and uh, a space writer comes up. You find that this is where the space writer title comes in and it's his first mate. And it's just this giant, like uh, what are they? Are they called mandrills? I think those monkeys with uh, whatever Rafiki yeah. was. 
Mandrill. Yeah, Mandrill. Oh, yeah, and it's like yeah. this giant, like Hulk-like Mandrill comes up, and he's like, "Yo, I'm your first mate." And then there's like a robot, uh, the robot that helped him in the beginning of the comic when he got stabbed in the eye shows up, and she's she's like, "Yep, I'm in your party too." And then they just hop back into space, and it's so like it's so erratic and crazy and fast paced, and it totally bites on like a bunch of. 70s kind of like sci-fi um tropes Tropes and stuff yeah Yeah. and it's also just so like taps into the whole like psychedelia of that era too while i feel like it just i feel like it's a comic that just doesn't give a fuck at all like it's just like this is what's going on and it's like we love that it's going on and this is what's happening like it's and it's just a beautiful comic like the colors and the art and the the writing is just so it's so fast-paced it's so easy to read it's just a blast and they say hold on to your butts which is a <laughs> Jurassic Park quote so no matter what they win <laughs> yeah, quoting uh, Jurassic Park is a pretty good way to win that's for sure and it, unfortunately it's not available on Comixology um, you, you, I think you have to go to your comic shop go to that brick and mortar store down the road that orders fucking comic books uh, I actually found the Black Mask official store, and they have a link to uh, the issue in paper or in digital. It's three ninety nine in the paper form, three dollars in digital. So I'll have a link for that in the show notes if you guys are looking for it as well. Awesome, yeah. So go check it out, but support it. And it's always like it's great to see these. Like I know we talked about um, Monkey, Monkey Brain, Brain yeah. yeah. We talked about Monkey Brain a couple weeks back, and uh, I know. Oh, I have a buddy who works in a comic book store, and he has like been hyping all the Black Mask comics, which is why I check this out. Um, there's another one I'm going to check out uh, called like We Can't Go Home, I believe is what it's called. Uh, we Can Never Go Home. Uh, yeah, We Can Never I Go Home. came out this week as well. Uh, Matthew Rosenberg and uh, Patrick... Uh, Kindlin, Kindlin yeah. on the writing there. And I haven't uh, got a Josh chance on the colors. to check that one out yet. I've also heard just like really rave reviews about it. Um, so uh, it's just great to see like independent comic books like making uh, just like making their way into like the, the hands of more people. Exactly. Yeah. And it just proves that like we're in a renaissance of fucking comics and go fucking support it because it's so as much as I love DC and, and Marvel and even Image, like it's so great that there's studios like Boom Studios putting out things like Herbsop and that Archie Comics is having this mm-hmm. huge revival with like fucking Fiona Staples and Mark Wade coming onto it. And then Black Mask and like Monkey Brain are these studios where just like Image, like these creators can come in and just do what they want with the ideas that they have. It's exciting. <laughs> yes. All of those things. <laughs> but yeah. And so, I mean, I think that's the end of an exciting week of comics for us. Uh, we had a whole bunch of wonderful news that went down. Again, a slew of comics that we just love to death. Uh, so guys, check out some of those smaller uh, you know, publishing houses that we've talked about. Monkey Brain, Black Mask, uh, Boom Studios, Archie Comics. We love Marvel and DC. Um, or at least some of us love Marvel and DC and you know, it's, it's good to kind of stretch your boundaries sometimes to kind of, you know, push out and see what you come across because like, I mean, I I couldn't imagine a world where I don't read image comics anymore. And I can definitely see a time when it's like black mask or monkey brain are in that same kind of place where they've got so many solid titles that just their name being attached to the project is something that is a draw, you know? Um, and so hopefully things will continue to get better. Uh, the best way to tell them that you're enjoying it is to spend your hard-earned money, of course. 
so if you guys want to, please visit those sites. Again, all of those comics will be linked in the show notes so that if you guys need to track down the physical or digital copies, you can do so yourselves. Um, I think that is going to be it for us this week. Uh, one new bit of news as of today. The show officially has an Instagram. It's the same as our Twitter, 2G1GTalkComics. So if you guys would like to uh, put a follow over there, uh, you can get all of the uh, social media sphere from us. Yeah, someday eventually we'll get a Facebook. <laughs> yeah, someday we'll get a Facebook, maybe. <laughs> nah, dude, my mom doesn't need to read about what we're doing on our fucking podcast. My mom told me today that she is going to start having a Facebook, and I kind of shuddered inside. Aww. So, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, if you guys want one, bug Andy and Ryan, because I don't have one, so I can't create a community page. So suck it, Internet. <laughs> yeah, Kels has forsaken Facebook, and who knows? Maybe she made the right decision. I totally uh, <laughs> But unfortunately, we're going to have to be forsaking this episode. It's going to have to all come to a close. So if you guys have anything else to uh, tell us, please, you feel free to email the show. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at 2G1G Talk Comics. Uh, we love each and every one of you. And until next week, please enjoy your comics. To hear more of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast, or to share your thoughts and comic recommendations, follow us on Twitter at 2G1G Talk Comics. That's the number 2G, the number 1G Talk Comics. Or if you'd like to email the show directly, you can do so at Two Guys and a Girl Talk Comics at gmail.com. All letters this time. As always, you can find more episodes of the show by visiting our Podbean at twoguysandagirltalkcomics.podbean.com. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you next time.